So, I'm going to now do what's called a, a microwave sermon. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. It's a 40-minute sermon in five minutes. <laughs> so, uh, and Ebo said earlier, he was saying that, uh, you know, wherever we go, Jesus is with us. And as he said that, I was picking cat fur off my jacket and thinking, yeah, my cat's with me everywhere I go as well. So, um, I'm going to talk about something today something a little bit different to what I was originally going to talk about. And if I get an opportunity next year, I'll talk about levels, the levels that we need to be at with Jesus or the level that God wants us to be at with him. But I was in the car driving to Wales and I was chatting to a spiritual brother who was going through a tough time. And we talked about joy and we were talking about happiness and after, after that conversation, God just said to me, I want you to share what you just shared with your spiritual brother. So I scrapped the original sermon, and hopefully I'll get an opportunity to, to do that next year. And we're going to talk about joy today. So if you want to turn uh, to your Bibles, we're gonna, uh, it's going to be from Luke uh, 2, and it's verse 10. And I'll just wait to find the verse. And it says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And I'm just going to stop there for a minute because I've titled this talk is The Joy is My Strength. And joy is power. And we've just come off the back of a season in the Christian calendar known as Advent. And the word Advent comes from the Latin ventus, and it just simply means coming. So the Advent season runs from December the 1st to the 24th, and it's the season where Christians pause in anticipation and celebration of the coming of the birth of Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you guys, but every now and again I have to pause for the cause and acknowledge that I'm glad that he came. Because when he came down, my life went up. And I don't know where I'd be, who I'd be, or how I would have been if he didn't come down. And I, and I mean that. I honestly don't know where I would have been, who I would have been. And I'm sure there's some of you out there that feel the same way. So I'm so grateful for the ultimate gift that came into my life. And it isn't just a gift under the tree. It's a gift on the tree. And I'm glad he came and his name is Jesus. And there are a number of reasons uh, we should engage in celebration regarding his coming. But in our time together today, uh, I want to lift something up that I believe is extremely important and yet often overlooked. And here it is. I'm glad he came because his presence gave me a present. I'm saying I'm glad because his, present give, his presence gave me a present. So what's the present that he gave me? It's in the text that we just read in Luke chapter 2. 
his presence give me the present of joy. And it's clear in the text, you have a group of men, one version of the story calls them shepherds, another version calls them wise men. But these shepherds, who are wise men, attend into their flock, and all of a sudden, they have an unannounced encounter with an angel, and the angel is a messenger of God, and they're startled, and they're unnerved, and the angel says to them, don't be afraid, I've got some good news, and he says, this good news is going to bring you great joy, hallelujah, I've got some good news, and this good news is going to bring you great joy, these shepherds are just minding their own business, and unannounced, they get exposed to undeserved information. Jesus has been born. The word hadn't even got out yet. Nobody's posted it on Facebook. Nobody's sent a text to all. Nobody's done a group message on WhatsApp. But all of a sudden, these shepherds, they get exposed to information before anybody else. And that's called favor. We say it's the favor of God. It's undeserved. It's unexplainable. It's unearned preferential treatment. And it's the only thing that you can do to respond appropriately is by giving God praise. It's treatment that shouldn't lead to arrogance but appreciation. It's when something happened that shouldn't happen to you, that you don't deserve to happen to you, but them happening to you is a revelation, not of our goodness, but of God's goodness. And this is why we respond with praise, not because I've been good to God, but because he's been good to us. Favor, and I want it for my life. And sometimes that's the way favor shows up, by giving you access to information that nobody else had got. And in this case, it was Jesus. But not only did these wise men have access to information that everybody else didn't get, they had access to an opportunity that everyone else didn't get. And the opportunity, because of that information, the opportunity that they had was to have an audience with Jesus. How amazing is that? I mean, they get to see him wrapped in in swaddling clothes in a manger. Uh, They not only got the information, they got that opportunity as well. It's called favor. And when God gives us undeserved, unearned, unexplainable access to opportunities for which there is no explanation, God did it not because we've been good to him, but because he's been good to us. Favor. You can't earn favor, but these wise men, these shepherds, they teach us that you can position yourself for it because of what they were doing. And that's all they were doing. They were just being faithful. They were just being faithful, just, um, just watching their flock. But sometimes, you know, the shepherds then, it was kind of the, the low, lowest kind of job that you could have then. And sometimes people minimize what we do. They kind of drag you down to their level because they don't want to pull themselves up. And I could imagine people kind of minimizing these shepherds. 
But something uh, that I've learned over the last couple of years is that if you are faithful over a few things, then God can make you ruler over many. What I'm saying is that God uses our stewardship over what you have, have now to determine whether or not you'll be faithful to what's coming next. And I don't know who I'm talking to in this room today, but I believe there's some people who believe because they've been faithful for, to a few things that God's going to make them rule over many. And an angel, he comes to these shepherds and he says, I've got good news and it's going to bring great joy. And what's the good news? Well, they said, in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Christos. He's the anointed one. He's the Messiah. He's the Lord. He said, there's some good news that should bring great joy. And here it is. The presence of Jesus should produce the presence of joy. In other words, people who have Jesus should be people who have joy. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. What I'm trying to get us to see here is that joy is the birthright of the believer. That joy is relevant to Christianity. I read something recently. It wasn't overtly Christian, but it said, Christianity is a unique religion of joy, meaning that the joyous nature of the Christian faith is one of the things that distinguishes it from every other religion. That joy is inherent in Christianity. Just like you can't jump into a pool of water and not get wet, you can't be in Jesus and not have joy. We're supposed to have joy. God created joy. Jesus, he was a man of joy. The Holy Spirit produces the fruit of joy. And the Bible is a book of joy. There are 66 books in the Bible and joy is mentioned 218 times. God is serious about joy. He's committed to giving joy to his people. You can't go from Genesis to Revelation without bumping into joy. In Psalm 30, verse 5, the psalmist says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. I come to tell somebody that it's morning time. You got the revelation right there. Morning time represents the time where the season of darkness is over. Is there anybody here that's tired of dark seasons in their life? Dark relationships. God says, if you make it through the night, joy is coming in the morning. Hallelujah. In Psalms 30, verse 11, it says, you turn my wailing or my mourning into dancing. Since you turned my mourning into dancing, I was moping, but now I'm moving. I'm not moving too good today because I've hurt my back, but I'm trying. I'm walking differently. I definitely am today. I'm dancing in the kitchen while I'm cooking. Susie will testify to that. I'm dancing in the car while I'm driving. I'm dancing on my way to work. What happened? God turned my mourning into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and you clothed me with joy. I was wearing sadness, but you took that jacket off of me and you restyled me. And I'm looking good in joy. Turn to your neighbor, look at them and say, you look good in joy.
Yeah, hallelujah. You clothed me with joy. Listen to what David said. When anxiety was great within me, what I was worried about, what I'm going to do about it, what am I going to do about them? How am I going to fix this? I made it through the month, but next month is coming already. It seems, seems as soon as I get to the first, the first is right back at me. Since, since when anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. Hallelujah. You escorted and ushered joy into my life. You are my great consoler, for unto us a son is born, unto us a child is given, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. You sat me on your couch when I had no one else to talk to, and you talked me into my senses. You talked me into my calmness. You talked me into sober thinking. Your consolation brought me joy. In Psalms 126, verse 5, says, Though who sow with tears. And some people never get to reap with joy because they don't sow with tears. Some people are too busy acting like they're hurt so that they can never get healed. Sometimes we need to cry so we can be delivered. Uh, you can admit that you're angry so you can get happy. You can go ahead and acknowledge that it did bother you what they said to you. It's okay to cry, but there is undeniable emphasis in, in uh, God's word on joy. Jesus even said, uh, gave us the word, uh, he, Jesus even said he gave us the word to give us joy. In John 15 verse 11, Jesus said, I told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. It is an undeniable emphasis of joy in God's work. What God is doing, what is God doing? He's exposing us. It's evidence of the way God intends for, for us to be spiritually impacted, but not just uh, emotionally. He wants us to impact us spiritually as well. Because sometimes um, we think about joy as being impacted spiritually, but actually it's an emotional impact as well. But what if I told you that the God who revealed himself through Scripture cares about more than how you're doing morally? That's important, but he also cares about how we're doing emotionally. What parent is not concerned about the emotional condition of their children? Think about that. For some of us, when your child comes home from school, and we've all been through this, you know when something's off. You can just tell. And Eliane will come home from school, stomping around. And I'll say, what's the matter? What's the answer? Nothing. <laughs> but I go straight into Law and Order or CSI, or for us older generation, it might be Columbo. Um, but if you're like, like me, I really want to try and help them to navigate through these types of, of emotions. So I would be a little bit more persistent, and I'd be like, come on, I know there's something wrong. Has somebody said something? It's like, who was it? What's their last name? And now I've turned into Liam Neeson, 
and I'm like, I have a particular set of skills. I'll hunt them, and I'll find them. We're in church, and then I'll pray for them. (laughs) But if we feel that way about our children, and we're imperfect parents, how much more does our heavenly father feel about you and I, and he's the perfect parent? That's why he said, touch not mine anointed. Don't put your hands on my child. He cares, and he wants to bring the believer past an emotional quality of life. He wants to navigate us through our fickle feelings and bring us into an emotional condition that the Bible calls joy. I don't want a fickle feeling called happiness. I want an emotional condition called joy. So what's the difference between happiness and joy? I'm going to show you, because Cyrus is just going to bring up a slide. If it works, there we go. Because most people can't step into joy because they're misdiagnosing happiness as joy. See, if you don't know what joy is, you don't know when you have it. And most people feel like they lost joy when what they've actually lost is happiness. Because happiness and joy aren't the same thing. Happiness is a feeling. Joy is an emotional condition. And here it is. Happiness is triggered by the external. Joy is triggered by the internal. But what does that really mean? I'm going to try and break it down. So happiness, I don't know if you've heard this saying, happiness is connected to happenings. So something's got to happen on the outside to make me happy. But here's the problem. In order for me to have or maintain happiness, stuff has to be right that I can't control, and it's got to stay right, all at the same time. So it means if you're dating, or if you're married, in that relationship with somebody, the relationship has to be good, all the time. But then if you've got kids, then the kids have to be good, at the same time as the relationship. And if you've got more than one kid, that means that all the kids got to be good, all of the time. So the relationship is good, and then if the relationship is good, all the kids are good at the same time. That means that the money can't be funny and the change can't be strange, right? So that means that when you go into your work environment, then things have to be going right the way they're supposed to at work. And then if things are going right the way they're supposed to go at work, then everything has to be going right in your body. And I don't know about you, but I've never had all of those things go right for me, all at the same time, and stay that way, ever. That's too much pressure on things I can't control. I don't want my happiness to be in the hands of a moody co-worker. I don't want my happiness to be in the hands of a temperamental teenager. I don't want my happiness to be in the hands of the economy, Because they're all things I can't control. Happiness is triggered by the external. Joy is triggered by the internal. Happiness is short-term. Joy is long-term. Happiness is based on a situation. Joy is based on a revelation of who he is. Happiness is a natural emotion. Joy is a spiritual experience. Happiness comes from feelings. Joy 
comes from faith. You can't have joy without having faith. But if you've got faith, listen to this. Joy is a sense of jubilation based on a revelation that my well-being rests securely in the hands of a God who is producing a favorable outcome for me. It means that even when I'm in the middle of a tough situation, I can have a revelation. It means when I'm in the storms of life, I can still praise the one who gives life. It means I can see something everybody else can't see. That the situation doesn't have the final say. My saviour does. And my saviour is committed to producing a favourable outcome for me. Meaning that when it's all over, it's working in my favour. Hebrews 12 verse 2 puts it this way. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith for the joy set before him endured the cross. He was able to endure the cross in the present because of the joy set before him in the future. And here it is. This is really important. Jesus on the cross. His activity on the cross reveals the distinction between feelings and emotional conditions. So he's on the cross and he has joy, but he still feels pain. Because his activity on the cross lets us know he had pain. But his commitment to still minister in the pain lets us know that he had joy. He had pain, but pain didn't have him. He would have been... Because if pain had had him, he literally would have been only focused on the pain while he was hanging on the cross. But in the midst of him enduring his own pain, he's looking at a criminal next to him. And he's saying, today you will be with me in paradise. Because he had pain, but pain didn't have him. See, when you have joy, it doesn't mean that you won't have pain. It does mean that your joy won't let your pain have you. Joy is spiritual, not just emotional. It can exist simultaneously with contradictory feelings so that you can be grieving the loss of a loved one and weeping, feeling sadness, yet still have joy. Paul in his book of Thessalonians says, we weep, but we do not weep as others weep who have no hope. He says, I'm crying because I miss them, not because I'm worried about them. I know they've gone to a better place, so I'm not crying for them. I'm crying for me. I'm sad, but I still have joy. You may may have lost uh, your employment, and you can be sad, yet have joy at the same time. I'm sad that this chapter is over. But I'm glad because I'm getting ready to step into the best vocational season of my life. Have you ever felt scared and excited at the same time? I'm scared because I don't know what I'm going to do. But I'm excited because God's getting ready to do something exciting. And I'm not going to wait until I see it to praise him. I'm going to praise. I'm going to praise him regardless of the situation. I'm going to praise in the devil's face. I'm going to praise in front of my haters. I'm going to praise with tears in my eyes. I'm mad, but I'm glad. I'm mad it happened, but I'm glad it happened at the same time. 
It's an emotional, it's, it's emotional, spiritual condition, not just a feeling. I've got both. Do you believe? Jesus asked the men. Father, do you know what it says? It says, Father, I believe, but help my unbelief. How many know that this joy that I'm describing is power? I'm going to prove it to you. The Bible says it's power. In Nehemiah 8 verse 10, it says, The joy of the Lord is my strength. So the enemy will come after your strength by coming after your joy. He's coming for your joy. It's not about the thing. It's about the thing that the thing is after. The thing he's messing with isn't the thing that he's after. He's messing with a secondary thing because he wants to get the primary thing. And if he can get the primary thing, that's the thing he's really after. He's not after it. He's after you. But he's using it to get to you. Because if he can get you weak, then he can get you. Samson, he wants to take your strength. Because once your strength is gone, then he can send the Philistines to take you out. Because it's not the thing he's after. It's you he's after. It's about getting your strength. Then he's got you. So when I get your strength, I got your joy. So this season that we're in, and the new year that we're about to enter, we have to adopt an attitude and a disposition that's consistent with God's word. And I say, you can't have my joy. And here's my prayer for us, that God was, would give us increased discernment so that you can see the difference between a trial and a thief. Because some stuff we call a trial is really a thief. And I pray that God would open our eyes. You're just trying to take my joy. I can see what you're doing. You're after my joy. But you can't have it. You can't have my joy. This joy I have, the joy the world didn't give to me, and the world can't take it away. You're not having my joy because it's God-given. I'll fight you for my joy. I'll fast for my joy. I'll get up on a cold Sunday morning and drag my butt to Wessex Christian Fellowship for my joy. You can't have my joy because joy is power. And it's powerful for three reasons. I'm nearly done, but I do want to give you these three truths that cement what I've been trying to say. Number one, joy is power because joy protects us. I'm going to read this scripture to you. And if you're a wow person, when I read this scripture, I want you to say, wow. And if you're an, I haven't read it yet, hang on, calm down. And if you're an owl person, when I read this scripture, I want you to say, ow. However that hits you, that's how I want you to respond. So, Proverbs 27, verse 7. One who is full loathes honey from the comb, but the hungry, even what is bitter, tastes sweet. I'm going to read that again. One who is full loathes honey from the comb, but to the hungry, even what is bitter, tastes sweet. Many of us 
can be attracted to what's unhealthy when we're hungry. And when we're most hungry, that's when we're most unhappy. You don't have to say it, but it's really important to honestly assess your life. And if you do some auditing, what you'll see is you've made some of your worst decisions when you've been hungry. See, everything's harder when you're hungry. If there's a certain eating regimen that you're trying to maintain, it's hard to maintain it when you're hungry. I don't want it, but I want it. Joy protects you. It protects you because when you're full, you loathe honey from the comb. You'd be like, no thanks, I'm good. See, people who are unhappy are people who can't hold their God-given lane. And God's given us a lane to run in and to walk in. And we ought to love our own lane and not be ashamed of it. And if people criticize or mock your lane, you can tell them, this is what I do, this is who I am, and if you don't like it because it's not your lane, this is my lane. And people will have you feeling inferior about your lane and have you questioning your lane because, and because they're questioning your lane. But when you have joy and contentment, you're able to look at them and say, what God has for me is for me. If you're not satisfied with this, you can go ahead and do you. But I'm doing me, sister. And how many people miss their purpose? Not because they don't have a vision, but because they don't have joy. And the absence of joy keeps pulling them out of their lane. We're nearly done. When you're hungry, it could be relationally or professionally or emotionally. But what's bitter will taste sweet. And, you can, and sometimes you can settle for less than God's best. So joy protects you from settling for less because you're content. So we just have the worship team up. Joy protects us and it promotes God. Isaiah 43 verse 7 says, We were created for God's glory. It's why we exist, is to glorify the Father. God gets glory not just out of who we are and what we do, but he also gives glory out of how we are. 1 Peter 1 verse 8 says, God gives us unexpressible joy, full of glory. God is glorified through, the, through and by the joy of his people. Joy is evangelistic. Joy helps make us the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Joy is attractive to everyone in every ethnicity, every age bracket, every socioeconomic category. Joy is universal. People in Asia want joy. People in India want joy. People in America want joy. People who are rich want joy. People who are poor want joy. 
Joy will make Nicodemus come to you at night and say, I want what you have. Joy will make Zacchaeus climb a tree and say, I want to sit with you and speak with you. Joy gives you an opportunity to reveal to people the goodness of your God. And when people say to you, how come you can be content in that situation? You can tell them, it's not me, it's God. It's God in me. It's possible to be a person in culture, especially who didn't care that much about number two, God's glory, and what people don't understand, that until you find a reason to live beyond you, you won't find joy. Did you hear that? I said, until you find a reason to live beyond you, you won't find joy. It means it promotes God. It means I want God to look good through me. And last but not least, joy produces a perspective. Joy gives you a set of eyes where you're able to look at the same thing and see something different. You know, the glass is half empty or the glass is half full. So think about it. You can look at the same thing that somebody else is looking at, but joy causes you to see it differently. Obstacles become opportunities. Joy makes you an optimist. Have you ever seen a happy cynic? Think about it. I've never seen a happy cynic. Cynics are just not happy because their cynicism gives them a set of eyes that only see the negativity. Everything is suspect and everyone is guilty until proven innocent. Some people think it's just uh, like it's just a religious rhetoric, but joy helps you see the truth. And the truth is, it's really going to be all right in the end. When has it not been all right? When has it not worked out? There's a saying, it says, it'll be all right in the end. And if it's not all right, it's not the end. See, even when you lost what you wanted to keep, God always comes through in the end. And he's not going to stop now. Let's just stand. I'm going to pray. And then we're done. I want to pray for us today. I want to pray for... Very specifically that God will give us an appetite for the kind of joy that glorifies him. The kind of joy that protects us. The kind of joy that promotes him. And the kind of joy that produces a perspective that causes us to see things differently. That we will not settle for living just with fickle feelings. But an emotional condition called joy. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you that you're stirring us. And I pray right now that you would create a hunger and and an appetite for joy like a river. Joy that protects us. Joy that promotes you. And joy that produces a proper perspective. I give you praise now that you're creating in the hearts of your people a holy discernment, a dissatisfaction which that which that which is less than your best. And I pray that you would irritate us and agitate us out of levels of living that are beneath your intention for us. May we step into the fullness of your best for our lives. 
And I pray over your people that they step into one of the most joy-filled seasons of their life in 2020. May you be glorified through, the, through our joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your joy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the word. Thank you for the revelation of joy. Father, thank you that we're ending the year with joy. Father, thank you right now for your joy that we carry on the inside. We worship you right now.